This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by Arnold Golden and Gregory. Welcome to Energy Matters, a show about how you can save money on your utility bills, use technology wisely, and live a more sustainable lifestyle. Here's your host, veteran energy regulator and clean energy expert, Commissioner Tim Eccles. Thank you, Scott Slade. It's always great to be saving money on that power bill, using technology wisely, and living a more sustainable life. I'm Tim Eccles, and I'm going to wear my nonprofit hat today. Casey Boyce, you know I've got two masters from the University of Georgia, one in nonprofit organizations, and you have a nonprofit hat as well, right? That's right. I'm the chair of a uh, nonprofit up in Western North Carolina, and our guest today is a nonprofit leader. Natalie Johnston Russell uh, is working with as executive director of the Keep Georgia Beautiful Foundation. Welcome to our show. Thank you. So great to be here. So tell me, how did you get started working in nonprofits? Well, I don't think anybody really has a very direct path to working in nonprofits. Mine was a little circuitous. I came to realizing I wanted to work in the nonprofit sector about 15 years ago and have been in the sector ever since. And how did you make your way to uh, the Keep Georgia Beautiful Foundation? It's something that really spoke to me for personal values. I have interest in, um, in I had interest in biology from college days. And so that came together under an opportunity to really improve communities. And so uh, and that and working with a fantastic team of people throughout the state, it, it was a no-brainer. I just really in- enjoyed this work ever since. We're on Casey's porch here in Decatur. You're hearing background noises, all kind of things as uh, they hit the speed breaker in front of his house. So we'll ha- continue to have some background noise. Casey, you know how just crazy I am about litter and trash and picking it up and composting and all of that you know I've gone to Japan I've seen how they do it I've come back I've done the trash pickup with the homeless I mean this is a topic near and dear to my heart yeah and you know I think as you look at Georgia you see a lot of opportunities to make this a cleaner nicer state certainly your commitment in the city and trying to do interesting things and bringing back some of the learnings that you got from Japan Um, but Natalie what you guys do really this is day in day out for you all right that's right and i think that's so fantastic that this is a focal point for you commissioner and I, I that's one of the big elements of our organization's focus is eradicating litter we believe that everybody deserves to live in a clean green and beautiful environment and that's what we look to do each and every day as one of our core components and one of our pillars of what the the things we do is to take care of that issue work with communities on that issue because we know there are so many reasons that litter becomes an issue it, it's not just a blight on our landscapes um, but it also has effects on our quality of life um, it it impacts economic development in an area. Um, areas that are clean um, and, and green attract families and businesses to an area. And, and we all know it, through this pandemic how important having access to clean and green spaces has been for all of us. I know for me and my family, it's been tremendous to have time outside um, and areas to kind of have that respite. So those are important components for us. So, Natalie, I'd I'd love to hear more about what your organization does. But before we get there, I mean, I want to continue on this theme. You know, Tim talked about what he's done. We've got listeners across the state. What can they do as individuals to help contribute to keeping Georgia clean and litter free? 
I'm so glad you asked that question. Uh, the, the first thing I would do is say you can get involved just by taking a walk down your own neighborhood, down your own street, um, not only not contributing to the issue, but cleaning up as you, when you see that there are litter littered items on the on the street Um, but also in addition to that we do have affiliates throughout the state of Georgia find out if you can get engaged at a local level we would absolutely love for you to do that Um, also we do encourage people to get involved we have opportunities to spread the word about the importance of this issue and even a pledge online to help to fight litter in Georgia and we totally invite you to to uh, become involved in any of those ways. Casey, I was recently down at Tybee Island. Every Sunday night, they have a clean and beautiful group that goes out and cleans up the beach after people have gone there, left litter, left buckets, left cigarette butts, left cups, everything, and they pick up a mammoth amount of trash every every Sunday night, and people are messy, and they leave stuff out there. I think the operative thing, as we think about keeping things clean, green and beautiful is citizens taking personal responsibility for their own area. Let's just forget a minute about government doing this. Let's just make this a personal, a neighborhood thing, a community thing. Let's take responsibility for our own area. And if the government happens to do more, well, that's just gravy. Well, I mean, what about that? Natalie, will that work? That's really a core tenant. We are built on public partnership coming together and individual engagement in our own neighborhoods, in our own areas to build that community. Um, and I think that's key to to making a lasting change is that we all are individually bought in. Yeah. And, you know, Tim, we haven't talked a lot about it on the show, but I, I grew up doing a lot of backpacking. I still do that. In fact, we took our kids on their first backpacking trip earlier in the spring. And one of the core tenants in backpacking and leave no trace is pack it in, pack it out. Right. And so that's something that, you know, we've really emphasized for our kids is that anything that you pack in, you got to bring out. You're not leaving it in the woods. Um, and we try to take that same, same ethos wherever we go, whether it's it's, you know, a walk around the neighborhood or a trip to the beach. Yeah. You know, Casey, you heard the the interviews I did with the homeless in downtown Atlanta. And as they picked up trash and Natalie, we paid them ten dollars a bag uh, to pick up trash and bring bring back to us. And we had four volunteers out there working with them. But one of the things we heard them say is, oh, I've been contributing to this. I want to do better. Uh, boy, it sure is messy. They, it's almost like they grew a custom to the trash and then as we were picking it up and removing it they saw what a mammoth problem it was that tends to be the reaction that everybody has when they get involved with a cleanup opportunity Um, that's what our affiliates talk about often is that people are converted to seeing i always say once you see it you can't unsee it Uh, you really start noticing litter in, in an area when you come by so it being involved in that first litter pickup really does kind of change your mindset Casey, I tease that I could be the commissioner of sanitation, really, and probably be pretty happy with the job because I do, you see immediate results, right? We all walk down the street, like I'm looking out on your street right now, Casey, and there's some trash behind that silver car out there. And as we go down, we probably could pick up a trash bag or two as we travel down this street and then come back. Casey, you work on a board here in Decatur. Decatur has a lot of pride in beauty and their trees. I mean, it's 
Is this organic here in this community? Do you see people concerned about this issue? I don't know that we see people really concerned about it, Indicator. As you said, people tend to take pride. So there's a lot of that kind of pack it in, pack it out, out ethos that I, I talked about. And certainly the, the city does a pretty nice job of collecting trash and things like that. Um, but, I, I mean, I live right by a creek and we definitely see, you know, there's stuff that washes into the creek when, when the rains come. And... Um, so it's not that it, it you know isn't an issue here, um, but Natalie, you know, for folks that want to get involved, maybe you, you could tell them how to find their local affiliate and what they could expect if they sign up for one of these local trash pickups. Absolutely. Well, it's as simple as being able to go to our website. You can check out KGBF for Keep Georgia Beautiful Foundation org and find my local affiliate. It's got all the contact information there and you can find out how to get engaged. Um, if you do get signed up for um, their opportunities of in, in addition to cleanup opportunities, um, but there'll be uh, organized cleanup opportunities for groups. Um, since the pandemic has happened, a lot has been implemented as well for safety reasons, that there are also individual and family opportunities to get engaged so that you're not necessarily around a group. Um, there's been, uh, as well as if there are, there are safety precautions there, of course, as well. Um, there are also opportunities to get involved with recycling drives or planting initiatives to beautify areas. So so uh, those are all different. They're all different types of options. I would say I'd love to add as well. If you don't have an affiliate, there are still ways to get involved. Uh, Keep Georgia Beautiful has an annual Great American Cleanup in Georgia opportunity where we ask um, individuals and communities across the state to get engaged with a cleanup by organizing a cleanup. Uh, we'd love to provide you the resources to be able to do that. We launch that every spring. And you don't have to have an affiliate in your area to participate in that. Yeah, how about just getting a trash bag and walking down your street and picking up trash and bringing it back and putting it in your trash can? I mean, that's, that is, that's, as, that's as easy as it gets right there. And I, Casey, I think that people sometimes think, well, that's not my job. I mean, why is it our job? Well, because we all live here, right? I mean, to your point about, like, what's the ethos indicator, right? People take pride in where they live. And, I, you know, look, I'm, I'm a transplant. And I've lived in Georgia longer than I've lived anywhere else, but I didn't grow up here. I love this state. We should all be pretty proud to live here. It's a beautiful state. And certainly anything that we can do to keep our communities clean, anything we can do to keep our state clean so that other people can enjoy the mountains, the rivers, the beaches, everything the state has to offer, it's about us and our pride in our state. Go to River Street now and go to the west end of River Street where Richard Kessler has taken the old power plant, which he purchased uh that that we approved selling, uh, allowing Georgia Power to, to 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 sell, and that power plant now is a JW Marriott hotel, three JW Marriotts actually in the different buildings, thirteen restaurants, and they have responsibility for the cleanup. It looks like Switzerland on the west end of, of River Street. Uh, so it's you know it, I, I I love going down there on that end and just comparing it. And then challenging Savannah City leaders, hey, let's, you know, let's let this be a leadership model for us so that we can make the rest of this historic district, you know, it's just really a mile by a mile. Really, it's not that much. It can be done. Well, Casey, when we come back, I want to talk recycling because that's how I wound up in this conversation with Natalie because I was on the radio talking about glass recycling or the lack thereof of curbside recycling. And I want us to talk about that and why it's important. Hey, this is Tim Eccles. 
Stick around. You're listening to Energy Matters. Energy Matters would like to thank GasSouth for its support of the show. GasSouth has a no-deposit policy and offers some of the lowest per-therm rates in the state. Use the promo code MATTERS for a special deal. GasSouth, the difference is good. GasSouth believes in the difference we can all make, like the difference in putting people first and showing that you care. For us, our difference is saving people money with our best rates and no deposit. And the difference we make in our community by taking care of our friends and neighbors and giving back 5% of our profits to help children in need. Learn more about what makes us different at GasSouth.com. GasSouth. The difference is good. Tim Eccles, host of Energy Matters, here with Jeff Pratt of Green Power EMC. Jeff, more and more EMCs are offering solar to their members, and you're seeing it grow like crazy across rural Georgia. Tim, you're right. Co-ops in Georgia are doing a great job of deploying solar across the state. In fact, they're leaders in the country with respect to engaging customers and deploying large-scale solar to benefit all their members. Hey, contact your EMC and ask them about their solar energy policy, or just Google Green Power EMC. This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by Arnold, Golden, and Gregory, an AMLAW 200 law firm with 180 attorneys in Atlanta and Washington, D.C. They take a business sensibility approach when advising clients. They provide industry knowledge, attention to detail, transparency, and value to help businesses and individuals achieve their definition of success. AGG subscribes to the belief not if, but how. We thank John Gornall and all the attorneys and staff at AGG for sponsoring our show. Hey, Tim Eccles, back on Energy Matters. Indicator, Georgia. Casey, nice little place you've got here. We're on your front porch and just uh, visiting out here. Beautiful day. Yeah, gorgeous day. Sorry for folks for the background sounds. We've got some folks that are uh, taking care of their lawn here behind us, but it's great to be out here with you and uh, and with Natalie, our guest, talking. I think we're going to be talking about recycling this segment. Yeah, Tim? Yeah, we're going to talk recycling and, you know, it's just uh, it just makes so much sense to recycle or reuse anything. What's the expression, Casey, about the repurpose, recycle? Reduce, reuse, recycle. So don't don't get it if you don't need it, right? And then if you can reuse it, uh, so whether you know plastic bag, whatever, um, do that. And then if you can't do that, don't throw it out. Recycle it. Yeah, I, I, I love to get the paper trash bags and put it into my recycling receptacle in my cupboard, and then I take that, and that goes into the recycle bin. Are you a big recycler, Natalie? Absolutely. I need to be in this position, too. I, we're definitely advocates for recycling, um, as well as reducing. That's a component of the uh, the, in the message that we share is about reducing as well as reducing our waste as well as recycling the items that we do use. And so that's what our affiliates share as well. Yeah. So, Casey, you can use a cloth or plastic bag. A lot of, you know, conventions give out these plastic bags that you can take into a grocery store. They're actually much stronger than the regular bags. Or you could really just if you if you do have the plastic bags, you can take them back and just take a wad of them. Right. And throw it in the buggy. And you can reuse them, and you can also use the paper. I mean, what, what advice would you give on something as practical as grocery shopping? Yeah, so we try to use the uh, reusable bags as much as we can. They're easy to, to use. As you said, they're much stronger. You can wash them 
use them forever. Um, we also, every once in a while, we'll get the, the plastic bags. And, of course, there's, like, the plastic bread bags and things like that. And in addition to taking them back to the store to reuse them, a lot of stores, the Publix and the Kroger, you can take them and recycle them. So you don't necessarily have to throw them away. They can have another life, which is, is really nice. Um, and, you know, Tim, here in Decatur, we actually have a very strong recycling program because the city charges. It has a pay-as-you-throw program. So you actually have to pay money to throw away garbage, but the recycling's free. So you actually save money by recycling. And the thing that I really appreciate about what the city of Decatur is doing, and I'd love, Natalie, to get your, your take on this given some of the challenges around recycling, is that they actually have done an audit all the way through. So when we have glass recycling, it's not going in the landfill, unlike what I understand is happening in a lot of other communities. They're trucking it to South Carolina. We can talk about whether that makes sense from an energy standpoint or not, but they're making sure that everything that goes in those recycle bins actually gets recycled. Yes, it's really important to find out what is recyclable in your community um, and to find out if there are certain ways you can recycle some of the materials that may not go in a bin if you have curbside available in your community. I love that you brought up opportunities to bring back and have certain recycling events or just stores to be able to share, uh, to bring back items there that might not go go in a cart if you have a cart available as well. But one of the things that um, we're really proud of in Georgia is that Georgia, my understanding is the second most, um, the second high, has the second highest recycling infrastructure for utilizing recyclable materials in the nation. So that's pretty exciting. There's over 120 businesses that depend on those products just here in Georgia to actually produce their products. Casey, we've had uh, the guys on from Monroe that recycle the peanut oil, the chicken oil. You think about oil that sometimes, maybe long ago, would be just thrown into a trash can. Uh, maybe just make its way to the landfill. Now, you know, special vats picked up by a special truck, taken to a moonshine still, basically, and turned into biodiesel. How cool is that? It's very cool. And we actually had a, a location not too far from here uh, in Kirkwood that had an on-site biodiesel processing refinery. They had it in a container. This was through the Southern Alliance for Clean Energy. And so when we back when we had uh, fossil fuel-powered cars, we had a diesel that we would fill up there occasionally with that biodiesel. But I think the point that you're making, and Natalie, I, I did not know that. It's really cool is that you've got to have that next use, right? So you've got to have the demand for the materials that are coming out of the recycling. Absolutely. And and luckily, we do have a lot of that demand here in Georgia. Uh, and so I and I love your mentioning unusual products that can be recycled and reused as well. Those are things that are very localized. It does depend on your community as to what's available. Um, so I always try to encourage individuals to look to their, again, local affiliates to share what can be done in their community and if they don't have a local affiliate to reach out and look within their municipality or their county to find out that information as well. Casey the reason I like what she's talking about here these organized events is because it jump starts a person doing something right so maybe a person they're just cruising along living their life they've never really thought about this maybe they've seen the trash maybe they've they've seen litter and it bothers them but they they didn't even know her organization exists so Here's a chance for you to get involved with some others and do something good for your area and then keep it going, right? 
Oh, absolutely. And, you know, that's something that, you know, again, we're we're indicators, so we're very Decatur centric today. But it's it's this idea of getting engaged in the community. Right. Decatur is a very engaged community. It sounds like, Natalie, what you're doing is giving ways for people to get engaged in their communities through these local affiliates, um, which is great. Right. Because it's that opportunity, even during the pandemic, to build relationships with neighbors. Tim, you talked about working with the homeless. I mean, how many people have reached out to the homeless in downtown Atlanta in a meaningful way that's building relationships and that's a really crucial thing absolutely I think that's centric for any organization as well as any community is is community engagement whether we're talking about recycling the litter pickups or the green spaces that we have to gather in that's a central component that we have that opportunity to engage with each other and build that community I heard about Natalie through her chapter down in Glen County. I was on the radio, KC, at our affiliate down in Brunswick, WGIG, just doing their morning show when I was down for the energy conference that you and I were involved with. And uh, your associate called in, and uh, we were talking about curbside glass recycling, and she she reminded me, wait a second, we are collecting glass over here on St. Simons, and we haul tons of it off every time a truck comes. And... I guess the the island folks there on St. Simon, they've grown accustomed to bringing that glass to that farmer's market area and putting it in those bins. They know it can't be recycled at the curb, and they take it there, and then your your affiliate makes sure that the truck comes and that all of those logistics work. Right. There's so many opportunities for that have communities having drop-off locations for various items. Um, so not every community has curbside available. And even if you do, curbside doesn't have everything. Uh, you can't put everything in that bin. You have to find out what your uh, material recovery facility can handle. However, uh, there are often these opportunities for drop-offs as well as specific drives. Like you mentioned uh, before, there are communities that have electronics drives a certain number of times of year so you can recycle those items that are not typically that are a little harder to recycle so uh, they may have hazardous um, household waste drives to be able to find ways to dispose of those properly so those are all really great opportunities within each community Casey let's let's think about things that are difficult to recycle let's let's take batteries right so let's take the double a battery from your fire alarm or batteries out of your child's toy that no longer work and that that there are certain places you can go but i think this stumps a lot of people like at the commission we have a big plastic vat and everyone can bring their old batteries in there and we let that thing build up uh and then is taken off by the georgia building authority but i mean is 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 that available to everyone How, how do you take paint cans or you know with with paint or or things that you know uh, furniture refinishing chemicals or batteries what what do you do with that so for a moment i thought you were going to say that the batteries that are collected at the commissioner then repurposed into a second life is grid scale storage a bunch of double a's or something like that but okay i'm following i'm tracking tim um, no, I mean, you know, here in Metro Atlanta, there are a couple of facilities that are available for, um, you know, particularly hard to recycle materials like what you're talking about. And as Natalie said, there are communities that do special drives, you know, maybe once, twice a year for those materials. Natalie, how would someone find out about that? If you're saying, OK, I've got these paint cans or I've got, you know, these batteries in Tim's example, I know I don't want to put them in the trash, but I, I'm pretty sure they don't go in my recycling bin. How do I find out about what I do with those if I'm, you know, Metro Atlanta or elsewhere in the state? 
again, I'll say everything is local, so I would reach out locally first and find out what's available and what drives are happening. Um, those can, again, happen at the local affiliate level when you, for those communities that do have those. And there's over 70 of those communities throughout the state, um, and many of them are countywide. Uh, and I would say the next step to that, that is um, you can look on our website. There's a recycling markets directory that lists private companies that collect some of these um, items. So you can find out and um, if, if there's a specific item you're looking to, to dispose of. And I finally just have to give a plug to the Charm Facilities, which are an amazing partner. That's Center for Hard to Recycle Materials. Um, you can usually... If you need to dispose of it, they've got a way to dispose of it. So I would definitely look them up and see if that's an option for you as well. Yeah, those charm facilities are great. I mean, that's, we've used those a lot um, for things that we've had. And um, uh, it's good to, to know that those are available. Remind folks again what the website is for your organization. It's kgbf.org for Keep Georgia Beautiful Foundation.org. Well, Casey, this is important. All of us need to be involved in recycling repurposing reducing reusing it's just it's just stewardship thanks for being on our show today natalie thank you so much it's been a pleasure hey this is tim eckle stick around Uh, we'll be back with more energy matters Creative Solar USA is a Georgia-based turnkey installer of innovative solar panel systems. With their NABCEP certified installers, they ensure you receive the highest quality solar energy system in the industry. They're proud to work with you before, during, and after the install, blending customer demand, system capability, and expertise to provide the best service possible. Contact them today at 770-485-7438 or creativesolarusa.com. Hey, this is Tim Eccles. We talk all the time on Energy Matters about buying a used EV instead of a new one. Let someone else pay the depreciation. BMVW Auto Sales, one of our show sponsors, can fix you up. Go to their website at ev-hybrid.com to see the ever-changing inventory. BMVW has every brand, every type of EV, and they'll even let you test drive it for three days, show you how to charge it and drive it for maximum performance. That's ev-hybrid.com, ev-hybrid.com. Reducing pollution from the transportation industry is an important goal, and few alternative vehicle fuels offer the distinct advantages of compressed natural gas. I myself drive an F-150 C&G pickup. Marlin Compression, part of Marlin Gas Services, is helping to usher in this clean energy future to the Port of Savannah, too. Not only is Marlin Compression a trusted provider of CNG for fleet fueling, they are also working with Port Fueling Center on a state-of-the-art CNG truck fueling facility. Learn more about the distinct economic and environmental advantages of using natural gas for trucking fleets of all sizes and explore all of Marlin services by visiting marlincompression.com. That's marlincompression.com. Calculate your savings today. Hey, Tim Eccles, back on Energy Matters. One more segment with Casey Boyce at his house. We've moved from the front porch where we had a lot of noise to the back porch where we have relatively uh, less 
noise. Casey, great to have Natalie on talking about clean and beautiful. We've never drilled down, I think, that far in terms of picking up litter. That's right. Yeah. I mean, and, and again, you know, it's one of those things that it just makes such a big difference to the quality of life in a community or, you know, if you're going to one of Georgia's beaches or mountains or things like that. So. Well, Casey, we're at your house, and I, I, I didn't want to miss an opportunity to talk about your house and some of the features that you've got. Um, we're in your backyard. Got a lot of trees here. Were you concerned about the tree covering when you guys did solar? Yeah, so we actually had a tree that grew between our house and our neighbor's house that was on the south side of uh, the house. And it's funny because, uh, you know, if we had left that tree up, the solar would not be producing nearly what it is, but our neighbor has long wanted that tree to go away. Uh, it was a pecan tree, and so kind of a messy tree for those people that know pecans. So she was very happy to see it go, and you know we pulled it out for the solar production. But we've got, as you say, lots of trees in the backyard. We really love the tree cover. In the backyard here, as I'm looking, is there anything on the back side of your house? And we'll put a couple of pictures here on on our Twitter feed at Matters Radio. Is there anything unique about the way you did the back of your house? Yeah, so, I mean, one of the things just visually with the house is that you see it's got a lot of overhang. So, you know, looking at our back window here, there's probably, I don't know, what would you call two, three foot uh, overhang over the windows. Um, And that's true on most sides of the house. And that's there for two reasons. One is that it keeps the water away from the windows. So it helps preserve the building materials. But two, it also keeps those windows shaded uh, so that we don't get a whole lot of direct sunlight, particularly during the summer. So we actually asked our architect, we said, During August, we know it's still hot in August, right? During August, let's keep the sun out of direct uh, contact through the windows. Now, during the winter, it's awesome because we do get a lot of direct sunlight through, so it helps warm the house. So it was very thoughtful in terms of using the sun's heat or rejecting it. Casey, one of our sponsors, Solar Sun World, uh, folks may know Joseph Kullerman. He's German, came over here, brought Arabian horses, started a solar company, uh, and GERD. Uh, is his assistant uh, and business development guy. But I went down and looked at a dentist office that they did in Madison, Georgia. They put a pergola type of structure out across the back of the of the dentist office. There were big windows so that as you were getting your teeth cleaned, you were looking out across a pasture. And that afternoon sun was brutal. Um, and Gerd said that uh, that when they put the pergola with the solar on top of it, that it dropped the temperature about 30 degrees uh, right there coming against those against those windows because the dentist office was actually having a difficult time with their thermostat because there was so much heat coming in off of that back glass. Yeah, I don't doubt it. I mean, everyone listening knows the sun's brutal, right? And so anything that you can do to keep the sun out is helpful. And so that's why trees are such a big deal, uh, is that it helps reduce the the heat load. That's why design, like what we've got and what that dentist office has, uh, can be helpful. If you can't do that, just put up a window shade or something like that. I mean, really keep that sun out during the summer, and it's going to make your house much, much more comfortable. Casey, we're putting uh, a nice, large back, not porch, uh, it, we're, it's a patio. We had a patio. We're extending it. We're putting a cover over it, and we do get that afternoon sun. And then we're putting some solar up on the ridgeline of our house, another one of our sponsors, Creative Solar USA, uh, doing that job. And I'm anticipating not only getting the benefit from the solar, but that porch is going to knock the heat off the back side of that of that house 
Casey, I, it wouldn't surprise me if I got as much benefit off the porch as I did the solar. Yeah, that sounds great. That sounds like a really nice way of doing it. And of course, you know, it's, I'm guessing it's probably a little bit less uh, uh, expensive to install uh, solar on a, a structure like that than it is to put it on a roof. I don't, you know, I don't know, but uh, but yeah, it sounds like a really nice design. Well, Casey, as we look at the the rest of your house here, I'm looking at some beautiful back back doors you did three glass doors uh here you've got uh some siding here uh the siding is special right it has coal ash in it yeah so it uses coal ash as part of the uh, cement aggregate right so it's reusing that thing that otherwise is is not so great to be sitting there in landfills it's fine it's perfectly inert as siding um our stone on our house is also what's known as manufactured stone so it's like a cement uh stone uh looks you know, natural as far as I can tell, but um, uses a lot less material than, you know, mining that directly. And all of the windows and doors that we uh, put in in the house, very high efficiency. Again, we wanted to make sure that it's as insulated as possible to reduce the amount of heat either coming into or, or leaking out of the house. So we're on your port. This doesn't look like typical pressure treated wood is this a special material it is yeah so the the wood on our porch here uh, i guess i should say wood in air quotes that our listeners can't see but uh, is actually a uh, it's kind of a combination of plastic and then um the for the the brand that we used it's like wood scrap so think um uh, you know, sawdust or something like that that gets held together with this plastic. So it uses wood that otherwise would go unused. Um, so it's got a little bit more of that feel. It doesn't feel entirely plasticky, but it's got um, a, a plastic binder there. Um, and it's been pretty durable. We haven't had to do a whole lot other than pressure wash it. Casey, recently we, we had an on the road segment with Liberty Tire Recycling, and they're doing a lot of rubberized asphalt and so we're seeing a lot of this hybrid mix i mean you've got the the coal ash in your siding you've got this wood dust uh or shavings inside this this plastic uh wood on your deck and then we we see this special work that liberty tire recycling is doing are there other hybrid type um uh, i guess components of your house um not that I can think of off the top of my head, but we did when we uh, when we built the house, there was some uh, masonry that had to come down. So we took down an old masonry chimney and we actually had on site a uh, kind of a crusher, Tim. So it was, you know, think about a wood chipper, but instead of having the blades or whatever, it was kind of like big hammers and you'd throw the, the concrete block or the bricks in there and it'd smash it into little pieces of aggregate. And so we were able to use that stone for drainage uh, in the house for French drains and things like that. You know, this kind of reminds me of how my granddad made his fortune, Casey, as the Atlanta airport was building their second runway he was buying, this is in the 60s, he was buying houses around the Atlanta airport in the old town of Mountain View, College Park, East Point, for $100. Houses that would have been torn down. He was knocking the bricks off of them, jacking the house up onto a steel dolly that they had fabricated, hauling it out to the suburbs like Decatur, Stockbridge, Douglasville, Fayetteville, uh, Riverdale, uh, and then setting the house up and selling it for $15,000, $17,000 back then. But they took the bricks, Casey, knocked the mortar off, and then recycled the bricks back onto the house. So, uh, you know, if you were doing that in the 60s, you were recycling before recycling was cool. 
Yeah, well, and some of those older bricks, Tim, I mean, I'm sure you know this with your family's history. They're much higher quality bricks than what you can buy today. So finding those old bricks is great. Finding old lumber is great. Um, there's a, In Atlanta here, there's the Life Cycle Building Center where they recycle those kinds of materials. You can go find old flooring that's really beautiful. It's got a nice patina on it. Um, and those materials are, are you know fantastic to use again and again. How about the solar on your house, Casey? How many panels and, and how does it produce? So we've got 20 panels. It's a 5.4 kilowatt system. Uh, and it produces, so the, the 5.4 kilowatts is its DC rating. This is getting really, really nerdy, Tim. Um, when you actually connect it and you're doing the AC, it's a little bit less than that when it produces. Uh, but essentially, it will produce enough to cover our HVAC when it's running. So a little bit more than 4 kilowatts. Um, which is really important because we're then using the solar energy to run our air conditioning. Um, and, you know, we've been really pleased with it. Uh, you know, I, I haven't exactly calculated the savings, but, uh, you know, our monthly bills, as I've talked about on the show before, 60 bucks a month, give or take. And you've got the, the not the Nest thermostats, but you've got the Ecobee. And, and I noticed that there are some Ecobees plastered all around your house. Yeah, so we've got the Ecobee smart thermostats. They have remote temperature sensors, so you can kind of, it's not just grabbing temperature in one place, but you can see what's going on in other rooms to make sure that it's comfortable wherever you are. And how about this geothermal? I'm not seeing a a well out here, uh, any kind of raised well. Uh, How does that work? Yeah, so we've got basically six boreholes underneath the house, and they go down 105 feet. Uh, Guess where the rock starts, Tim? Rock start. Tim's taking his head for those of you on the radio. The rock starts at 95 feet, so they had to switch drill bits for the last 10 feet to get down there. Uh, and then the compressor unit sits in the crawl space and connects right up to those uh, those wells. Um, so that's how that works. Um, I will say for folks who are interested in HVAC, um, geothermal is great, but it can be a lot more expensive. If we were to do it again today, and what I'd recommend for most people, unless you've got a really big house or really deep pockets, is go get a really high efficiency air source heat pump. Uh, they're just as efficient as the geothermal unit I've got now. Yeah, my buddy Mark that works for Mitsubishi, he's got these 22-seer split units. He has three of them on his uh, small house, and those things uh, those things don't cost very much to run at all. Yeah, they're, they're great. The technology is impressive, and um, yeah, check it out if you are uh, in the market for an HVAC upgrade. Well, Casey, thanks for being a guest on the show as we talk about your house and, of course, the the co-host of our show. So stick around. We'll be back one more segment. I'm Tim Eccles. You're listening to Energy Matters. Hey, Tim Eccles here, host of Energy Matters. Solar's growing like crazy in Georgia, and I certainly say buyer beware. It's great to have companies like Creative Solar USA on the job. Russ, why do folks need to reach out to you? Tim, we're going on to our 14th year, and we have the best staff and most experienced installers in the state to get the job done right. You can find out more at creativesolarusa.com or call 770-485-7438. That's creativesolarusa.com. 
The electric car revolution is coming, and the choices are growing. Gem cars are everywhere. You've seen these low-speed electric vehicles on college campuses, downtown Atlanta streets, and resort islands like St. Simons and Jekyll. Gem cars are street legal, equipped with seatbelts, headlights, and a tag, and can operate on roads with speed limits of 35 miles per hour or less. If you want to know more about these electric cars and trucks, six-passenger shuttles, mobile repair service, or full vehicle wraps, go to GemCarService.com. That's G-E-M, CarService.com. This segment of Energy Matters is sponsored by Hall Booth Smith. This law firm works with over 88 Fortune 500 companies, and they have offices from Brunswick to Athens, Tifton to Columbus, and of course, Atlanta. We'd like to thank Hall Booth Smith for the great work they do with school boards, hospitals, cities, and counties all over our state. See more at HallBoothSmith.com. We interrupt this episode of Energy Matters to take you outdoors. On the road again. Hey, back on Energy Matters. Change of location. Uh, I'm down at a Sporting Clays course, and I'm sitting here with my old friend Kevin Queen, and we are raising money today for uh, the great work that Operation Roundup does with Coweta Fayette EMC. So, Kevin, uh, you're the utilities relation guy for Georgia Power. You and I have worked together for years. Good morning, by the way. Good morning, Commissioner. Uh, and we're going to be shooting for charity today, and you're a great shooter. Uh, I'm, I'm an average shooter, but Sporting Clays, it's a fun way to get a lot of contractors in particular together and raise money for a great cause, isn't it? Yes, sir, it is. Um, with Operation Roundup, they round up to the next dollar and put that money for, for folks who really need it for utility bills. Let's talk just a second about the charity work that our utilities do both on the EMC side with Operation Roundup and also the Georgia Power Foundation and the Georgia Power Project Share. I think a lot of customers are unaware how much Georgia Power and the utilities proactively give. I mean, we're not talking, I'm not going to give any amounts here, but it's, it is a staggering amount and they continue to invest and help low-income people and others to be able to do uh, and do their do their obligation on their bill and also charities in in local communities yes sir that's right commissioner um the customer is at the center of everything we do and every decision we make and in any way that we can help the community help the customer with their bills you know we want to be there we advertise project share on our radio show and encourage people to check the box uh, at the bottom of their bill and give a dollar two dollar five dollar or ten dollar and a lot of people don't know that the utility matches this i mean this is a fantastic way to trigger uh to trigger a donation from the power company and i know i do this with jackson emc as well so it's a fantastic way that you can just essentially double your money that is correct, Commissioner. So so anything that you can do, I mean, power companies across the state do this with Operation Roundup, Project Share, anything you can do to, to help would be wonderful. As the moratorium on rent expires, the Supreme Court recently said that folks can begin charging, and we had a moratorium a little while on utility bills. That expired, and as people are getting back on their feet, there's help out there available, and I've encouraged people to look at that, to talk to their church, to talk to the Salvation Army, to talk to HEAT, to talk to 
uh, all, all the Catholic charities. I mean, there's so much help, and I know that you guys think about that on a regular basis. Uh, you know, as we have a little fun today with Coweta Fayette EMC, it's one of our largest EMCs. I know I'm a member of Jackson EMC. We featured Cobb EMC, uh, but Coweta Fayette is uh, a large EMC down here on the south side, uh, Kevin, where I grew up, and you spent a lot of time on the south side as well. Yes, sir. I, I grew up in uh, middle Georgia. In fact, I uh, was a Flint EMC customer or member, and uh, I know for all my Georgia Power friends out there, I'm, I'm now a Cobb EMC uh, member. Uh, you know, many people don't know that there are 94 utilities in the state of Georgia, and we all work together to, to keep the lights on. Yeah, and reliability, Kevin, as I think about my priorities as a commissioner, I mean, it's so important. During that Texas snowstorm, 4.5 million people out of power. And Texas, you know, they're deregulated. They, they boast about how they've done things, and they were humbled uh, during that. Uh, I mean, reliability is at the forefront of what Georgia Power is all about. Uh, yes, sir, it is. Um, you know, we always want to keep the lights on, just as all the EMCs and the electric cities across the state. And many of us, we have mutual assistance agreements where we work together uh, to keep the power coming to your house. Kevin, just recently I had a chance to speak to the Jackson Lake Homeowners Association. The Lloyd Shoals Dam, which holds back the water in Jackson Lake, was, was conceived in 1902 started construction in 1908 and it was to me in 1908 the equivalent of what plant vogel is today it was a a massive project the largest hydroelectric dam at the time being built uh in the u.s it supplied the electricity to macon to griffin and to forsyth not too far from where we're sitting right now that electricity allowed those communities to build textile mills and to to have economic development and to basically put themselves on the map and it started with back then a hydroelectric dam six units i think eventually now kevin as i think about this only 18 megawatts coming out of that dam and i compare it to something like vogel three and four with 2200 megawatts it would take 122 jackson lakes and lloyd shoals dams to be the equivalent of what we're doing man electricity has come a long way in 100 years Yes, it has, Commissioner. And first, let me say, I'm very impressed with your knowledge. I think I need to be in a uh, classroom and taking notes. So I'm very impressed. We have to have a diversified energy mix. Um, You know, we need all of the above. Um, In working with the the commission, uh, we we have that. And we we are able to meet the, uh, the needs of the Georgians. We all know that uh, when when new businesses come to locate, you've got to have that energy. It's got to be ready. It's got to be reliable. It's got to be clean and affordable. In working with the commission, we're able to provide that. You know, Kevin, in 1908, when they started that that dam, I mean, these large mills they were the Silicon Valley of the day. Uh, you know, a lot of people didn't have electricity, uh, and these rural cooperatives came along, and they provided. Uh, power to an area, frankly, that, you know, that is last in almost everything. They were last in mail service. 
They were last in telephone. They were last in electricity. And now, you know, they're last in Internet connectivity. So the rural areas have always had, you know, a challenge. And mammoth projects like the Lloyd Shoals Dam, which, you know, even those people that lived on Jackson Lake had no idea of the history. This is, of course, now a Georgia Power Lake. Georgia Power acquired this 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 dam in 1929 and uh, and and has owned it ever since, as well as a number of other hydroelectric projects and hydroelectric power is dispatchable uh meaning that uh that that you can call on it uh and so it it holds the water and georgia power is able to trigger that and release that and in some cases like at lake oconee and lake sinclair you guys actually pump the water back up at night how does that work uh you're you're right it's it's dispatchable meaning you know when interesting thing about power is when you have a need for it it's got to be there so uh, we always have to be ready Um, and we have a you know control center and we're always monitoring the power so all of a sudden if the clouds go away and it's a hundred degrees you've got to be ready to meet that need Um, so uh, again same thing with with uh, you know all our dispatchable units We've just got to be ready to meet the need because the load can fluctuate in in seconds. You know, at Wallace Dam there at Lake Oconee, they reverse those turbines and that water goes back up. Uh, that lake has a – both those lakes have a tide. And a, a lot of people that go to Lake Hartwell or Lake, uh, lake Lanier – they're may, they they are used to the lake being either up, you know, full pool, over pool, below pool, or whatever. But those lakes fluctuate because of this, this, uh, this uh, pump storage. Uh, it's it's what is called in in Norway and other European countries very popular uh, to let the water flow down during times of need and then to pump it back up in the evening when the power uh, is cheap and. Kevin, as we think about this cheap overnight power, it's one of the things that I've been saying about electric vehicle charging and charging overnight for years, that we get greater grid efficiency by charging electric cars overnight because we've got that extra power, don't we? You'll see a lot of our rates are are set up that way in cent, folks. To, to use power when it's least needed and same thing I know we've we've got some EV rates for those who would who would like to utilize that like to charge at night and do it uh, cheaply I don't know if you're as excited as I am about the f-150 lightning the new f-150 that's going to have its batteries made up in my home county of Jackson County at SK innovations I had a chance to talk with them yesterday I'll be touring the plant soon you think that truck's going to be a game changer with electric transportation? I, I think it is, and if you look at the EV industry in general, um, with with all the upcoming fleet, you've got all the car manufacturers that are they're setting their goals to produce a certain amount. You're going to see a lot a lot of game changer, you know, in in the in the industry there. You we've got to be ready for it. We've got to have um, the infrastructure. I know you've been a part of that at the commission uh, in getting ready so we can meet that demand for when it's here. Great being with you 
today here at the Coweta Fayette charity shoot. I would say good luck, but I know you're going to shoot better than me. So thanks for being on the show. I don't think I don't think so, Commissioner. But I can tell you uh, again, I'm I'm going to be in the classroom next time, taking a lot of notes. <laughs> all right, hey, this is Tim Eccles. Thanks for being on the show with us today. Catch all our back episodes at wgauradio.com and click the on demand button. Or just ask any place that you get your podcast for Energy Matters with Commissioner Eccles. Appreciate you listening today because energy does matter. Have a great weekend, everyone. Tim Eccles of Energy Matters here for Solar Sun World. No doubt you've seen solar panels popping up all over the state. If you want the precision of German engineering when it comes to solar, Solar Sun World is for you. Gerd and all the folks at Solar Sun World understand the complexities of solar and how to make it work for you. From tax credits to inverters to accelerated depreciation, they'll advise you on the best path forward. And Solar Sun World now offers power purchase agreements. Find them at solarsunworld.com, solarsunworld.com. Everyone has tough times in their life. By checking the project share box at the bottom of your utility bill, you can make life a little easier for your neighbors. Your one, two, or five dollar checkoff is matched by the utility and then used by the Salvation Army to help folks having a tough time paying their energy bills. It's that easy. Join PSC Commissioner Tim Eccles and many others by donating via your power bills this year. See more by clicking projectshareinfo.com. And thank you.